So you gained a few pounds over the holidays and they haven't disappeared yet. Don't worry, we have you covered. Do you keep getting annoying, reoccurring injuries? It's all good. We'll tell you what to watch out. Have you ever wondered what that strange shaped bar people deadlift with is all about? All of the answers to these questions and more in today's episode. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Digital Barbell Podcast. We believe that if you work hard, you deserve results and that your training and nutrition should enhance your life, not take it over. Our mission is to provide you with a clear path to health and fitness through education, connection, coaching, and accountability. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Blakely Fletcher, and we are here to serve you. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review so we can reach more people. You can find us daily on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Digital Barbell. Now, let's get to today's topic. All right, guys, welcome to the Digital Barbell Podcast. Thanks for being here. My life has greatly improved since not announcing the episode number on all these podcasts. I don't have to look up what number we're on and then try to remember it. It's a whole thing. I'm happy thing. for you. I mean, we're, I'm like, I'm a new Who man. Who knows what here. number we're on now? All right, so apologies in advance if there's extra dog noises in this episode. There's a lot of dogs running around in this <laughs> office, and they all have jingly collars on. But let's get into this uh, episode. I think uh, we have we're going to do Q and A today. Yeah. We got several questions, and one other thing we're kind of kind of riff on before we get mm-hmm. into the Q and As. But um, I don't have a sponsor this week. Do oh, you? They, they've been contacting me lately. Okay, yeah, that's good. I feel pretty what special about it. Um, the sponsor this week is the OXO brand cold brew coffee maker in the compact size. It's very specific. <laughs> Why? Why? I mean, we've, you curious talk a lot about how we make our coffee. We, we use the cold brew system uh, where you like take all your grounds and you let it soak for 24 hours and then you have concentrate and that's how, then we heat up our water and that's how we drink our coffee. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're pretty ridiculous right now. He's got his own caffeinated kind in his decaf i have my own decaf and i'm about to get my own caffeinated kind so we've currently got gonna have a four coffees in the refrigerator but anyway we've had the toddy system for a while and by accident we ordered the compact size of the oxo last time we were taking a camping trip to idaho because we ran out of coffee and this thing is fantastic it's it's i mean we're partial to the toddy system because we actually know the grandson of the guy who invented it. So I'm like, yeah, go toddy. But this thing is far superior. It's super, it's super easy to use. You don't have to have filters or plugs. It has like a proprietary bottle that you just like snap it on and it drains into it, wash it out and go. It's quite a commercial you just gave there. <laughs> oh, so send them my way. <laughs> I actually just bought a second one because I'm going to have one for my decaf and one for the regular. Yeah. It doesn't really work for me because the quantity, the small one you're talking about, the compact only mm-hmm. makes like two to three days worth of coffee. And I don't want to be making yeah, coffee every day. If two I could put in days. a request, I would ask for them to make <laughs> that exact model, but in the bigger size. Because when you go up to the large one, the technology it's like changes. a big device that you put on your countertop, which I'm not sure why. But yeah, maybe the weight of the big one would be too much to cr- it would like crush the carafe. The top. <laughs> anyway, the OXO. Cold brew coffee maker in the compact size. Lincoln Lincoln bio. <laughs> Highly use, recommend. Use discount code. It has likely. this cool little like thing you put on top and you run the water over. So because like that's all part of the process is you want to like not just like dump water, but you want to sprinkle water. So it's like a 
It was, it's like a it disperses um, the water over yeah, the like coffee a, grounds. Like a thing with holes in it, like a water a diffuser, I'm like a watering about, like, can. A water, yes, like a watering can yeah. in reverse. Okay, we spent way too much time giving <laughs> them credit. They really need to give us something. <laughs> All right, here we go. We've got some great questions. First one. I gained some weight over the holidays. I didn't put too much emphasis on it because I knew I was eating more and training less. After the holidays, I pretty much went back to my normal eating and training routine. I didn't cut calories or train more. I expected to level out a bit by now, but my weight in inches are still up around where they were at the beginning of the year. Any advice to help me get back on track? All right, this is a good one, and I think it's probably a pretty common one with a lot of people picking up a few pounds over the holidays, going back to their normal routine, but their weight doesn't go back to where they were. So here's what's happening. What actually happened was over the holidays when you were eating more and training less, you were in a calorie surplus and your body stored those extra calories as body fat. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we're only talking about a few pounds here, so not much effect to your overall maintenance calories because, you know, three pounds, five pounds isn't a lot of weight gain. But what happens when you go back to eating your normal number of calories is you will now just maintain the weight that you gained. So... What it would take to actually lose the weight that you gained over the holidays is to deliberately go into a calorie deficit from the normal amount you'd normally eat to lose that fat that you mm -hmm. gained over the holidays. So what I would do is go to step three of our nutrition freedom framework, which is the dialing it in phase. And I would track your food pretty accurately for one week in my fitness pal. I would look at how much, how many calories you're eating as an average over the week. And then I would take 15% right off the top, keeping your protein right around one gram per pound of your body weight right now. And I would see after you remove those 15% of calories, how your weight trends over the next month. I would be willing to bet that the weight that you gained over the holidays comes off in four to six weeks. And then you can bring your calories back up 15% to your maintenance calories mm -hmm. and that extra weight will be gone. This is great awareness too, because I think that this happens to a lot of people and it is only a few pounds and you don't really think about it in that moment but this can happen year after year after year when we do go into these large surpluses and then just level off to exactly where we were mm -hmm. and then we do that repeat that one or two times a year every year yeah, this is different than the fluctuations you see from day to day after yeah. a big meal. You could eat a big meal late at night and you might weigh three pounds more the next mm -hmm. day. That's not the same as eating a little bit more over the course of, you know, two a weeks yeah. around the holidays. When you have one big meal, your body has ways to deal with those extra calories over the next couple of days. It'll subconsciously make you move around more, mm -hmm. wiggle your arms, have a better workout. Maybe you'll walk a little bit more. You'll actually burn off a lot of those calories and maybe store some of them as fat, but it's not going to be the same thing as if you chronically overeat a little bit for a week, two weeks at a time. Those fluctuations don't go away without a dedicated time of being in a calorie deficit. So yeah. I think that's what happened. And I think that's how you need to fix it if you want to. Yep. All right. Second one. I keep having random consistent, I, sorry. I keep having random injuries pop up and it's been super frustrating and hard to stay consistent. What is the best way to work through the pain? Just no pain, no gain, baby. You just <laughs> got to push through. I think this is you. You have a lot of, I would mm -hmm. say, random injuries pop up. Yours tend to, How rude. <laughs> yours tend to be, I would say, tendinitis related. Yeah. So what historically advice? speaking. Yes. All right. So I guess the, the first piece of advice is have somebody check your form, mm -hmm. whatever 
whatever things seem to be bothering you, get somebody to look at how you're doing them and make sure you're doing them relatively mm -hmm. correctly. And there's not some obvious thing you're doing that's creating pain. Send us a video if you don't have somebody yeah. else to check your form. Number two, how's your recovery? How much are you sleeping? How much are you eating? Are you eating enough protein? If you don't give your body the nutrients, the fuel that it needs to repair itself. And the recovery and the sleep. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think I said that, but yeah. I mean, you can't expect to stay healthy and perform well and remain injury free if you're not putting in the work mm -hmm. into your recovery. I wish it was true. Millions of people are out there <laughs> trying it on a daily yeah. basis, but it's the part we neglect, but that is important. If you're not recovering, you're going to have a, you're always going to be dealing with mm -hmm. these little injuries. Number three is I would look at the total amount of exercise volume you're doing across the different muscle groups and across the different joints of your body. Is there one particular joint that you keep hurting? Is there one particular muscle group that mm -hmm. you always seem to strain? Maybe you're doing too much total for that area, or maybe you're just doing too much too soon. Yeah. Like when we interviewed uh, Will Morris for the podcast, he talked about how so many people at the beginning of the year in their, you know, kick off the new year weight loss journey, go from zero running to running several miles per week. And it's not the fact that running three or five miles per week is necessarily a bad thing. People do that all the time and remain injury free. You okay? Gosh. <laughs> Swallow wrong? Yeah. But, but going from being sedentary and not running at all to going running three, five miles per week, that's a nagging injury waiting to happen. So mm -hmm. it could be just that you're trying to do too much too soon even if the total volume is fine, you just did too much volume for where your recovery is at right now, your adaptation. Yeah. And so then this last piece, I would say instead of trying to work through the pain, I would try to work around the pain, meaning you've already done a form check. You you know that you're moving correctly. You've got your recovery in check. You've got your volume in check. Um, now, if you need to work around the pain, it's doing something like if it's a knee pain, you're squatting to a target in mm -hmm. the beginning. <clears throat> And that will both make sure that your form is form is great and that you're limiting that range of motion. And then over time, you're taking away the target and adding more range of motion until you get back to full. You can do this for any movement. And modifying the load that you're doing it with too. Yeah. Like if, if deadlifts are what seems to be hurting you mm -hmm. right now and you're used to deadlifting three sets of five at 225, let's go back to 185 and see how you feel and then titrate the load up slowly mm -hmm. as your body adapts. Yep. This is basically the procedure that I just went through over the last eight months mm -hmm. with my left shoulder, not being able to bench press a empty barbell without severe shoulder pain to, you know, coming within five pounds of my all time PR yesterday wow. following that exact procedure. So yeah. there is hope. Try to try not to get discouraged mm -hmm. and check all those other things that we mentioned. Speaking of shoulder pain, number three, I've been dealing with shoulder impingement. How can I modify my training? Uh, yeah. Shoulder impingement is a tricky thing. It's like, it's basically a diagnosis that yeah. the doctor might give you that could potentially mean a lot of different things. I want to link to an, uh, a three part article that barbell medicine put out about shoulder impingement. It's way more than we could go into in this podcast. And I would consider them extreme experts in this, but we do have some experience with it. So the first thing I would say is be careful with accepting that diagnosis of shoulder impingement as some kind of death sentence or as your identity now. Like I know that might sound kind of woo woo, mm -hmm. but you're just taking that on and be like, I'm somebody with shoulder, with shoulder impingement. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm always going to struggle. Or with. I'm somebody with a bad back or right. you know, whatever it is. So watch out for that. Maybe that's mm -hmm. not the answer you were expecting, but you know, 
in that article, they actually talk about the, the role that doctors have in diagnosing people specifically with shoulder impingement and the words that they use to tell them what's wrong with them. Oh, your subacromial space will never Mm -hmm. be the same. Oh, you have never seen tendons this inflamed. Like, oh man, it's like that matters the way that you, the words that you use, the words that you get from your doctor and the way that you perceive your injury, especially shoulder injuries is a big predictor of how you will um, come back from that injury. So like I said, maybe not the, the answer you were expecting, but as far as modifying your training for whatever shoulder pain that you're having, go back to the last question, yeah. honestly, and do all those kinds so, of things. So form check, making sure that your form is in check and mm-hmm. all those movements, making sure that you're getting your recovery and checking out your overall volume. And you're speaking, you're, you're hearing this from somebody who did all this the wrong way. Like I've had a cortisone shot in at least this shoulder if not that one, mm-hmm. I've thought that my shoulder was just going to be broken forever. And you I was probably going to have to you have had, surgery. You thought you had frozen shoulder at some point, which whatever that means. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so be careful about how you approach this and just take a common sense mm-hmm. approach to rehabbing it. Like you would any other injury is what we're trying to say. Yep. All right. How important is it for me to hit my micronutrients if I'm hitting my macronutrients? This was a good question from a nutrition coaching client. <clears throat> so in case you don't know, macronutrients are protein, carbs, fat, and alcohol. Micronutrients are all the vitamins and minerals, mm-hmm. way too many to list off here. Now, I think the reason that she was thinking this was even though at the time she didn't have targets for protein, carbs, and fat, she was probably putting some food in my fitness pal, and they have the tab in there that breaks your hump breaks out how many micronutrients you're getting to. And they have a little bar graph and I actually don't know where they get the targets for those because some of them are kind of weird and we don't prescribe our clients a certain number of micronutrients to eat. So the way that I like to think about micronutrients is don't assume that you're deficient in anything without going to your doctor and getting a blood test to see if you have a deficiency. So many commercials out there for athletic greens and vitamins for this. You don't need to supplement anything in your nutrition that you're not deficient in. So just skip that, go straight to your doctor, find out if there's something that you're lacking, and then address that with a nutritional approach if you can, or a supplement. But the best way to cover your bases isn't by taking a multivitamin that doesn't give you the benefits of actually eating food that are rich in micronutrients. It's by having a diverse diet with five to seven servings of different fruits and vegetables per day. It's by mixing up your sources of protein, you know, having some seafood, having red meat, having lean poultry, Mm -hmm. having eggs. That's the best way to, to cover your bases instead of just like going straight to a multivitamin. But the gold standard is to find out if you're deficient in something and then address it with your nutrition and, and supplementation if needed. Yep. Perfect. All right. The first two weeks of my diet, I lost five pounds. I haven't changed anything since, but then, but for the last five weeks, I've only been losing about three quarters of a pound per week. A lot of math. I lower my calories. A lot of math in this question. (laughs) All right. So first two weeks, five pounds were lost. And then now for the last five weeks, only about three quarters of a pound per week has been lost. So basically like things were just humming right along the first two weeks. And now it probably feels like things have come to a grinding halt. So this is a really common thing and it is super discouraging, especially if you've never filled your brain with educational content. That's more like common sense Mm -hmm. and research based and followed accounts that just keep preaching the basics. But here's what happened when you started your diet, you probably 
cut way back on processed carbohydrates. You probably cut back on just the total amount of food that you're eating. Maybe you even started eating like more high volume foods that, you know, just a little bit like more like spinachy and yeah. leafy greens that they're not very heavy. So what that means is you just literally have less food volume in your stomach when you get up in the morning and step on the scale. Well, guess what? That affects your body weight. And that doesn't really have anything to do with whether you have less or more fat on your body. It just means the contents of your stomach are less. So you weigh less. So that's one factor that causes people to see a lot of initial progress when they start a diet. Number two, as I mentioned, that you probably cut out a lot of highly processed mm -hmm. carbs. That could be crackers. <laughs> that could be tortilla chips. That could be um, ice cream. So what happens when you start depleting your body of carbohydrates is you start to dump, dump out some of the glycogen, which is stored carbohydrates in your muscle and liver. You start to, you burn what you have already stored up as energy and you're not really replenishing it because you're not eating as many carbs. So not only have you lost that glycogen, but you've lost a lot of water weight along with it. Mm. This is why the jumping on keto or carnivore or one of the super low carb diets is so rewarding on the mindset side when you first start because you see that really encouraging progress yeah. right off the start it's working and it encourages you to keep going but then once you're down to a more baseline level of stored glycogen and muscle in muscle and mm -hmm. food content in your stomach in the morning now we're starting to get into the point where we're seeing how much fat we're losing right. if we're consistent so i think she said that she was down to a rate of three quarters of a pound per week. That's amazing yeah, that's progress. Awesome. So even though you felt like you were crushing it in the beginning, you're actually crushing it now. Yeah. If you can stay consistent with what you're doing and continue to lose three quarters of a pound per week, that's amazing progress. Absolutely. Do not lower your calories. And even beyond that, I would recommend you start planning to take a break from your diet before you start to deal with hunger or before you start to get mentally burnt out of the process mm -hmm. of dieting, like maintain some of this great progress that you've made instill the habits that got you there and then go back down to where you're losing that three quarters of a pound again. Yeah, that's great. Kudos I mean, to you. Yeah. You're losing weight every week. Amazing. That's yeah. Great. All right. You guys posted a video of a client using a bar, a deadlift bar where he was standing in the center of it. What is that all about? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I like this one. All right. That is a trap bar. Otherwise known as a hex bar. Yes. So you, um, you are standing inside of it. There's a bar, like a it's not, it's not why, a square. Why is it called a trap? Because you're trapped inside of it. <laughs> is it really? I mean, I don't, that's what I would say. Like you're trapped. Tra trapezoid? Is that a trapezoid? I don't know. How many sides are on a trapezoid? <laughs> oh, yeah, there are six sides. Is there? Because it goes like. Yes, yeah, three in the front. Three in the front, three in the back. Is that a trapezoid? Six? Or that's a hexagon. I don't know. <laughs> we'll cut this part out. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> I don't know the answer. <laughs> you're standing in the center of the bar. Yes. And then the weights are loaded on each side. And what this does is it allows, instead of the, the weight potentially coming out in front of you, you're deadlifting it pretty much. You're almost like squatting the weight off the ground and you're able to stay right in the center. So people who have uh, potentially like back issues sometimes will use these because they are a little bit more forgiving on the back because that bar, the bar, the weight cannot get out in front of you in these. It's kind of, it kind of turns your deadlift into a more to quad, a squat, quad yeah. dominant deadlift. Mm -hmm. I would argue though, that if you think that you can't deadlift conventionally with a straight bar, um, 
and you have to use a hex bar, mm-hmm. I bet we can fix up your form so you can deadlift with yeah. a con- in a conventional bar. But that being said, I do have clients that we do use the hex bar for their own personal preference. Mm-hmm. There's not really one that's right or wrong. They're both great tools to have in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. I will say we don't have a trap bar. Have you ever noticed how much room they take up? Yeah. That is a big investment of space in your gym. Mm-hmm. So um, if you want to try one, go for it. There's nothing magical about them. It's just a variation that some people prefer. Yeah. And the client, I know that the client that they're talking about, he's, he's, he's a client of ours that's in his seventies mm-hmm. and I'm fine with him using that trap bar because it helps protect his back and make sure that he's right in the center. You know, one thing that's cool about the trap bars yeah. I just thought about is some of them have raised handles. Like yes. you don't have to actually get down as low. So somebody who struggles with the getting in the bottom position mm-hmm. of a deadlift for their hamstring flexibility, or that's what causes them back pain. Maybe yeah. that's a good variation for them. Yep. All right. I know I should be lifting heavy if I want to build muscle, but I'm a small female and I'm really afraid to look bulky. What should I change about my workouts? We have a whole podcast about this. Yeah. It says women should lift weights, something like that. I'll link to that in the show notes. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I don't know what this person does for their workouts. Yeah. If they're doing digital barbell workouts, they should change nothing because <laughs> bulky is coming from mostly how you eat not the training that yeah. you do there. I mean, there There's, is, there is something to like, some people just put on muscle a little bit easier yeah, than hyper responders, but they also, there could be also something in their diet. They could be eating in a surplus, but saying you're like saying you're a hyper responder and you're just going to get bulky is like saying, I can't lose weight because I have a slow, but slow metabolism. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean like there's nothing inherently that's going to like make you do anything without the stimulus. Right. It's just the approach that you have to take might be a little bit different than yeah. some people. I would say like it is, you know, as a small female, they didn't say how tall they are, but mm-hmm. you know, you're probably more at risk to look bulky just because you're a smaller person. And also you probably survive on less calories than a taller woman. So like it's probably easier for you to overeat calories because you don't need a lot of calories in the first place, you know, and then add in the weight training and you're going to be putting on some muscle. Right. So all that to say, like you said, the number one thing you have to do to avoid getting bulky is pay extra attention to your diet. Mm -hmm. You know, you do need to build muscle. So you need to make sure you're eating enough calories, but if you're eating in a calorie surplus and you're training, that's the recipe to put on excess body fat. So you got to be extra careful about, you know, what you eat. Mm -hmm. And then the number two thing is, you know, what area of your body are you worried about getting too bulky? Well, let's like look at your training and make sure that we're not doing too much volume on those particular muscle groups. If you don't want broad shoulders, then we need to watch how much thing, how many Mm -hmm. things we're doing, like overhead pressing and lateral raises. Like we just, you know, the number one driver, of not the number one driver, a main driver of muscle hypertrophy is the total volume that you do. So maybe we give a little bit less love to the muscles that you're afraid of looking bulky. Yeah. And some of the times that you see bulky looking women, I don't know where you're seeing this. Like, for example, watching the CrossFit games, if you think these women look over muscled or are bulky, they are training pretty much for their job. Yeah. Several hours (laughs) a day, several times a day, and they are eating in the hundreds and hundreds of calories, uh, thousands of calories. Yeah. <laughs> they are <laughs> trying to get they bulky. They are trying to get bulky. Um, I would say the average woman CrossFitter, I think they say it's like a 5'5 five five is the average height for a women's CrossFitter. And at 5'5, five five, if you put on the, quite a bit, of, you know, if, you, if you're 5'5 five five and you're weighing like in that 140 range, you're going to have a lot of muscle mass because you're going to be pretty lean and you're going to, I would say, look with 
some people would consider bulky. I would even say some of those women weigh 155, 160 and are in our lean. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, two main drivers don't eat too much and don't train too much in the muscle groups that you're worried about looking yeah. bulky. All right. That's it. That's it. We got one more thing we want to talk about that came up last night. We're doubling down on our YouTube content. Number one, we've already talked about that. If you don't already subscribe to our YouTube channel, what in the world are you doing? Head over there and subscribe. Now we're putting out interviews with clients, educational content, fun content, camper content, <laughs> But anyway, we've been watching more YouTube channels, just trying to get ideas for content, look how videos are produced. Mm -hmm. And we were watching somebody last night and she's a content creator full time and she edits all of her own videos. It's a ton of work and she was just burnt out on it. So she went away on a two week vacation to quote, unwind, recharge. What are some of the other words people use? Reset. So that, so that she would come back from the trip and be super fired up yeah. to get back to shooting and editing. And what did she say when she got back she home? She had zero motivation <laughs> to get back into the editing. That whole first several days was a struggle bus to get back in the routine. Mm-hmm. I think we get examples of this in our life all the time of holidays, Christmas break, extra, you know, extra long weekends. How hard is it to get up that Monday after a break to, you know, it sounds like the alarm goes off way too early. We have no motivation at work. We just feel like we're spinning our wheels and we can't get going. Why is that? It's because this whole idea of unplugging, recharging, building up motivation by just taking a break and doing whatever, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. Like you crush the inertia that you have, you crush the momentum that you have, and it makes it 10 times harder to get going than if if you would have just practiced something is better than nothing and kept some semblance of the habit alive. Yeah, that's why we encourage our clients who do go on vacations to just take 20 minutes and do a little band workout, do do just a body weight workout just to keep that momentum going while they're away. What is it? Inertia is an object in motion stays in motion. And an object at rest tends to stay Stay at rest. rest. You're going to have to push that rock even harder to get it rolling than if you just kept it rolling a little bit, you could have built up some speed with much less effort. Yeah. Let's recap the, the cycle of how motivation is built. Motivation is only built by taking action. Those actions produce results. Those results motivate you to take more action. And as we all know, we can't wait for motivation to strike until we start something. That's right. So if you are feeling tempted to just stop your eat healthy eating for a week to reset and build up motivation, if you're feeling tempted to take two weeks off of the gym to just reset and recharge and get ready to get mm-hmm. fired up, please, please, please keep doing something. Trust us. It'll be so much easier to start if you don't ever stop. I made a killer drink. <laughs> I just have to point out with my OXO. Cold I mean, brew I was expecting you coffee. to like. That was a great point, <laughs> Jonathan. Woo! Drop the mic. I've never made this before. It's almond milk. It's some cold brew OXO um, decaf and protein powder, and it's delicious. If you say so, make me one, and I'll <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> Maybe right. they'll sponsor next week's episode. <laughs> this drink. This drink. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this Q and A. If you're watching this on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe before you leave. And if you're listening to this in one of the apps like Spotify or Apple, we would be greatly appreciative if you would leave us a rating before you leave. It really helps us reach more people. Have a good day. Thank you all for listening. We truly appreciate it. But real quick, before we go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. 
Be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell for all of the latest and greatest free content. If you're interested in working with Blakely and I, we'd love to talk. Apply for coaching with the link in the description of this episode or by visiting digitalbarbell.com. We'd love to talk about helping you reach your goals with a training and nutrition program built just for you. Thanks again and have a great day.